Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you're about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. All right, thank you so much, Regina. My name is John, and I want to welcome each of you to another Marketing Experiments web clinic. We're here live um, in Florida, and it's the afternoon here, but it may be the morning where you are. If you're logged on, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to choose this clinic. Um, my promise to you is that you're going to get something that you can use, uh, something today that you might be able to use as soon as tomorrow, or today even, depending on your workday. So stay tuned for the full clinic. We're going to have key principles. We're going to have case studies. And best of all, we're going to actually take a look at your pages and give you guys advice on the fly from multiple team members. Um, before we get started, I'd like to go over a few things. First, um, we're built on interaction. I love interaction. I love it when you guys ask questions, when you comment. Um, I want to feel like we're in a dialogue. So we've got two things that you can use. First, Twitter, uh, hashtag web clinic. Um, and we've got that here. We've got a team here standing by looking at those. And then we also have the Q&A function in GoToWebinar. So those are two tools that you have to use right now to communicate with me and others in the studio so that we can make this clinic the best possible use of your time. Um, with me, I have two of my friends, two of my associates here in the, uh, in the lab. First is Matthew, and I'll be uh, having him come up shortly. Matthew is the Associate Vice President, Partner Solutions at the Mag Labs Institute. Really smart guy. Um, I think you're going to enjoy uh, some of the feedback and value that he's going to bring to the clinic today in, uh, in a story that we both actually experienced, a case study, towards the end. And then finally, I've got Ben, our data scientist master extraordinaire. Um, ben is awesome. Um, he's not just awesome at data, but he's a really good communicator. Uh, I really enjoy uh, listening to him. He's going to be there helping us to look at your pages and giving you not just an optimization perspective, but the perspective of somebody that has taken the time to really get to know customers before interacting with them. So really pleased. Matthew, if you could uh, come join me real quick. We're going to get into our first case study, and I want to let Matthew kind of take a chance to walk you through the case study, give you a sense of what's going on, and then we'll go ahead and, and start asking questions. So Matthew, Welcome aboard and uh, take it away. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I want to start by uh, introducing an experiment to start off with a case study. Uh, this is Test Protocol 1548. It comes from our library. This was a, uh, one of our research partners with a, a large national bank, uh, really d interested in driving signups to a new checking account. Now, to give some context for uh, the experiment, uh, just some background in terms of, of where traffic was coming into this. Uh, coming in through either uh, the, the home page directly or through a bookmark uh, to the URL and clicking a very specific link on the page. You see that link right there in the middle. It's right next to the checking, uh, the checking messaging there. It says open in minutes. And that's a, a deep link that drives into either the control or the treatment. So let's get in and let's, uh, let's take a look at the control. Uh, that page or that link drove directly to a four question selector tool. You can see those four questions highlighted here. And based on the answers to those questions that you would, you would select, you were driven to uh, a page that had two options. 
One was a recommended best choice option, definitely the option that the, the partner was looking to engage the most potential customers with, but also a secondary option in a tabbed format. You'll also notice that there were a couple of other options at the bottom of the page. So you see that there, there's the ability to uh, change your answers or just browse all options for checking accounts. So this is great, right, Matthew? So we've got a bank, they, you know, and, you, and you think about the banking world too. These are people that, that really, um, they're trying to bring back, I guess, the word customer service. They're trying to kind of bring that back. And so when I look at a pages like this, initially I'm thinking, hey, they're actually just trying to really help the customer out. They're trying to give them a suggested package, a second choice. But with all good intentions being there, I want to ask you, the audience, how do you feel about this particular process? How would you make it better? What are some of the questions that you would ask? What are some of the things that you would recommend? Just as a place to start, let's, let's see where you're at. I'm watching the Q&A function. And um, so far, um, there we go, less text from Hannah. Very good. I'm waiting for your responses. I'm watching them come in. All right, destroy the whole thing, says Stephen. Welcome back, Stephen. Glad to have you. Um, larger call to action, says Jan. Excellent. I'm watching to see your comments. What other suggestions? Uh, less questions again from Karen, right? Um, ask a question. Why are, you, um, why are you setting the account up? That's Brian. Let's get a couple more. What would you do differently? Would you even change it at all? Do you think that they're handling the situation with the customer right? Okay, give value to the call to action, says John. Too many bullets, says Jan. Excellent. Well, these are a lot of uh, different things, okay? There's a lot of different suggestions. Stephen's even like headline, a, a warmer, more personal image like a smiling customer. That's from Malcolm. So a lot of different changes, a lot of different things. Uh, my question is, is, is this what the team did? I mean, how does this match up to what the team did? What did they actually decide to test? And what happened with it? Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of very valuable points that have been brought up by the audience. Uh, there, we hypothesized a couple of things. Uh, number one, there is, uh, you've got two steps right off the bat. So for somebody who's coming in and, and, and really, they're already pretty deep in the process, that's a lot of perceived cost to get through all of these steps. And so the, the couple of things that we did, we actually created a, a pair of treatments for this test. We'll take a look at the first treatment. Uh, we got rid of the, the, the checking selector tool and we went straight into presenting a, a few options for potential checking accounts they could open. You can see those options are tabbed at the top. Once again, highlighting the, the recommended option that we would desire most customers to go into, but giving them options. A clear call to action at the bottom there and, and some, some features and benefits to highlight the value. So the big thing here, Matthew, uh, if I'm seeing it correctly, is they just kind of did away with the, um, the kind of the, the tool that helps them make a recommendation. So they're taking that away, but instead just giving you recommendations right off the bat without asking you any questions. That's correct. Okay, excellent. Yeah. What else? So second treatment was actually taking this a step further. Doing away with all of the other potential options and really driving to a singular product that has the most value to uh, what we believe to be the, the types of customers that are arriving at this. Spending the majority of the time really on the, the value and the features and the benefits of that specific product and not one but two calls to action. So two CTAs focused on open now. I saw that was one of the, uh, one of the, the key pieces of feedback from the audience and that's absolutely something we tested. Excellent. So you guys in the audience, I mean clearly you're not far from what the team was thinking. 
Uh, my question is, is which one did better? So let's take a look side by side by side. Do you guys want to vote? I mean, let's have some fun, right? Um, audience, tell me, are you a control fan? Probably not. Treatment one or treatment two? Let's, uh, let's see it. Don's treatment one. Oh, we're seeing a lot of ones. We're seeing some twos, okay? Right, we're seeing some twos. Keep going. Very good. Matthew, based on what you can see from the audience, Pretty even split. Yeah. Pretty even split. So. Okay, one thing from the audience. Why treatment one? Why treatment one over treatment two? Let me, see, let me get somebody to fight for it real quick. Cleaner, okay? Choice. Choice. Simpler, less text. Easier to read, less text. I mean, uh, somebody's like, I mean, treatment one, okay? Uh, less busy, less text, self-selection. Okay, great. Now, somebody fight for treatment two. Give me a reason why you're supporting that. I'm watching your feedback, isn't it? We've got this separate monitor here where we watch. Very two is very focused, call to action above the fold. Less thinking, uh, says Kevin. Very scannable, says Brian. Uh, red call to action, so everything on one page, more modern, okay? What else, anything else? Banner blindness, that's somebody's <laughs> questioning, right? Okay, so, so some people are like more choice, some people are like less choice, so there's a little bit of debate. Well, let's see what actually happened. Let's take a look at the results. Interesting. So um, we have a 58% relative difference um, for treatment one and a 65% relative difference in treatment two. But um, would we, could we easily say that treatment one and treatment two, there's a difference in performance there? I don't think so, at least not statistically, right? So treatment one and treatment two are actually performing similarly, yeah. right? Kind of on the same plane, right? And Ben can talk a little bit more about that if necessary. So that raises a couple of questions that I have. Go ahead and hit us the next slide, Matthew. If they both performed in the same area, but yet there are some key things that are different, go back a click here. What did both treatments have in common? I'd like you guys, again, I'm watching your Q&A. What do you guys think both treatments had in common? Let me, see, let me see your responses, okay? I'm watching for them. Single step, single, okay, we're seeing a lot of single step, removed a step, right? Customer didn't have to take action except for call to action, okay? Um, titles, buttons were on, okay, titles, so that was the open your checking account in minutes, so you're referring to the headline, very good. Mm -hmm. Okay, didn't make the customer fill out any form fields, right? Excellent. So here's my question. Okay, you guys see the common denominator. So um, how in the world, how in the world did they actually, did, was the team able to come up with these specific things to test? What was it that led them to choose um, less, you know, just less steps, right? Now, here's the thing. Now, if you've ever been to our clinics, you've seen that, you know, friction is a, is a dangerous thing, but what I've discovered with friction is it's not necessarily friction that's the enemy, it's unnecessary length or difficulty. So there could, I mean, if you take a look at, at the treatment two, there's a ton of text, right, compared to treatment one in the immediate view, right? So how is it that they were able to choose? How is it that they were able to determine exactly what to choose and why, and why was it that they came across these common denominators in both? So those are the questions that I want to talk about today. Matthew, thank you so much. I'm going to bring you back up in just a few minutes. So guys, this is what I want to talk about. The answer to that question, I believe, can be found with this heuristic. Um, is everybody here 
Is anybody here not familiar with the conversion heuristic that we have here at Mech Labs? Let me see the screen. Just say, just say no, not familiar. Is there anybody here that's not familiar? Okay, Heather, thank you. Okay, so there, there are some people here that are not familiar. Let me give you a little bit of insight. Imagine if you had years of tests that you've done online or on pages or in different aspects and areas of the customer process and experience. And that you could look across all of those experiments and just like what you did, find the common things that make a difference when it comes to human behavior or, or um, human response in given situations. What would you do with that data? Well, that's kind of what we've done here is we've got a library of thousands of experiments. You can look up more about Mech Labs online and about marketing experiments and the research. But ultimately, we've been able to take all of that research and we've been able to distill from that the five key levers that influence a customer action, the desired customer action, which is conversion. And here are the five different elements. You've got the motivation of the user, the clarity of the value, the incentive, friction elements present, and the anxiety elements present. And in fact, we've got a whole entire training course on this particular heuristic. But that's not what I want to focus on today. What I want to focus on today is the one element that, in terms of importance, outweighs all of them. Keep in mind, this is not a math equation that you can solve. This is a guide. Those numbers in front of the letters simply represent weight. How important is this aspect or this lever compared to another? And the motivation of the user is by far the most important, right? So what is the motivation of the user? How would you define it? What can we learn from you right now, John, that, I can, that you could take and actually use today or tomorrow to affect a difference in your marketing and your collateral? Well, let me define it. I define motivation as the immediate compatibility of the marketing message to the recipient's motivations, right? So uh, what do I mean by this? Let me give you a classic example. Is there anybody in the audience online that has kids? Anybody? Say yes, kids, love them, still work, yes, okay, we've got, okay, very good, oh yeah. You guys got kids. Do you guys remember going through the terrible twos? Let me, let me, let me get a shout out. Anybody going through the terrible twos right now? Oh, there's a smile, there's a frown face, yes. Well listen, um, I've got this beautiful daughter, her name is Lila, and uh, as you can imagine, um, you know, she's, she was recently born a couple of years ago. She came a little early, but she's doing great. Um, this is her on a normal given time frame. But ever since she turned two, in the spark of a moment, she could become like this. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but to be frank, I'm in the middle of it, and if you guys sent me an email advertising advice on defeating the terrible twos. I don't care how terrible your email is. I don't care how poorly it was designed. You're going to get my attention. Why? Because I'm trying to solve this problem, right? I'm trying to solve this issue of how to deal with my daughter when she doesn't want to listen to me, when she wants to do her own thing, when she wants to fight back and scream back, right? That's kind of what I'm dealing with. In the same way, there are customers that are coming to your site, that are encountering your product, that also have a story. I believe that there's a story behind everything that's bought. 
And what would happen if we could actually discover the customer's story and align our marketing messages and our processes to fit that scenario, to fit that situation, to fit those wants and to fit those needs, to fit those habits and to fit those things, right? That's what this lever is all about. It's about finding the customer story and it's about aligning our marketing and our processes with that story. So this is what I want to do today. I want to pose four questions and I want to give you these four questions. You're going to think, John, these are very basic questions. But I want you to use these very basic questions and I want you to rethink of them in a marketing context. And I want you to say, how could I use these questions to detect the story of my customer or the majority of my customers coming to a given place? And how can I use that information to inform what I should do differently? What are the questions, John? What are the things that I should be asking? What are the clues that I need to see that I can immediately use to make my marketing better? That's what I want the focus of the rest of this clinic to be. Let's start with the first question. Who is the customer? Well, that's real basic. That's nothing new. But you'd be surprised at how many people skip this step. Or they overthink it or they underthink it. Let me, let's talk about this a little bit. Our baseline of ideas about our customers are formed by what we would call customer theory. And then as uh, marketers, our job is really to try and close the gap of what we don't know about the customer and what we do know. Why? Well, you know, if I can only figure my daughter out, maybe I could learn how to interact with her to mitigate all those terrible twos moments, to reduce them, to alleviate my stress, to alleviate hers, frankly, right? So take this concept of customer theory and apply it to your marketing. If I could learn just a little bit more about the customer, I might be able to accurately predict how they're going to act in a situation or even to a given offer, right? And I'm not just limited um, to like focus groups and things that we associate with learning. You're like, oh, what's the demographic profile? What's all this? You know, I can also look at the data. There are many different clues that I can look at to try and help me understand the customer and to give me a sense of their story. So here's an example. Um, here's some of the questions that you can ask. I want you to pay attention to the right. Objective, what are the customer's main goals and desired outcomes? So if you're looking at a page, you're evaluating a particular place in the thought sequence or the funnel, ask these questions. And then once you ask these questions and you feel like you've got a, a, an answer based off of something, then ask yourself, well, how would I look, how would I change this page based on those things? What would I do differently? If I were those people, what would I expect? What would I hope for? And what I'm trying to accomplish, if I'm the customer and I'm trying to accomplish something by getting a checking account, what am I hoping for in this whole process? Right? These are great questions that you can ask. And you can arrange them in, in a sheet like this. In fact, you might already have personas on file for your customers. Go back to them, take a look at them, use it as a reminder every time you go look at a piece of marketing and ask yourself, specific to this process, you know, um, who are these people? What do I know about them? And what, what can I learn about them and, and what can I apply? Applied to the example. Now here's a situation where we didn't have much. 
Um, this is a team, and you can imagine when we're dealing with the consumer world, this team's like, oh man, every person is our customer, right? We want everybody to bank with us. If that's the case, it's okay. That doesn't mean that you're out of luck, right? But it does mean that you still need to take the time to try and get an answer to that. Segmentation is a great tool that we can use to try and narrow down. And Ben's an expert on that, frankly, and, and you, should, you should email him afterwards about that. <laughs> but listen, get to know your customers. And in a situation like this, there really wasn't a whole lot that the team could use, but that still didn't, that, 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 that all hope wasn't lost yet. Because there are three other questions. The second one is where do they come from? This is an extremely important question to ask, especially when you're dealing um, in all phases of the, especially with uh, omni-channel you know, marketing these days, right? So let's take a look. In this example in the case study, right, the one thing that we knew and the clue that we gave you in the beginning is that the customer or the majority of customers that we were trying to focus on and trying to really speak to or, or change the experience for arrived at the homepage via a URL or bookmark, what would that tell about the motivation? Well, it might say that they already know who the bank is because they had the address that they could type in. Maybe they already have a relationship with the bank. Maybe somebody recommended them, right? Um, or perhaps they know what they're looking for and don't need much. Prior knowledge indicates something. It indicates some kind of relationship. When you meet somebody and then you go and meet them again, do you start off by saying, hi, my name is John. How are you? John, I thought we went over this. No. You continue where you left off. This question helps you to figure out where to continue. And in this case, this was a really important clue that we were able to leverage. Let's take a look at another question that we asked. What have they done so far? Well, in this case, the customer clicked on open in minutes link. And, and look how buried that link is. Guys, listen, for you to find a link like that, you're either looking to pay your bill or you're looking to accomplish a mission. I mean, seriously, there's a lot, to, there's, there's some serious, what they call the cytophobia here, right? But the people that are, have a mission to accomplish, they're looking for something, can overcome that. Have you ever, um, has, um, you know, a site like this ever stopped you from paying your bill on time? Don't you just hate it when a website completely rechanges and you're like, okay, where's the pay the bill sign, right? You take your time to find it because if you don't, you're in trouble. These people obviously felt some kind of urgency or felt some need to dig and find that particular link. It's an important clue. Here are the, here are the kind of implicit things that we could draw from that. And then finally, here's another question. How do we expect them to proceed? Well, let's take a look at it. They navigated to the homepage. They typed in the bank name. So there's a prior relationship probably. They went through the trouble of deciphering through a, a, a massive amount of links to find one particular link and they clicked on it, open in minutes. What's the logical next step? What do you guys think? What do you guys think is the next law? I'll, I'll wait. They, they just say, I've got 10 minutes for the clinic. I'll wait 10 minutes. What do you guys think is the log logical next step, <laughs> right? They want to open the account in minutes. They want to get started. They're ready to fill out the form. They're ready to, to go, right? There you go. Very good. It's that simple. So when the analysts in the team looked at the scenario, they weren't thinking friction, guys. They were thinking, how can I meet this need? And friction happened to be the tool that they used. Reducing friction, that is. Does that make sense? 
So the key here is not necessarily, oh, I got to do these principles. The key here is, is I got to learn about my customer. Because when I learn about what, what it is they expect, what they're trying to achieve, then I can actually apply the proper principles. So is there any surprise that when we took a page away, and even on the one on the far right, we reduced the number of choices? Right? But that didn't really seem to make a difference. But the fact that we took some of that friction away because they're ready to open it in minutes. Look at the headline even. Take a look at the headline. Open in minutes on both of them. It's matching their motivation, what it is that they're seeking to do. Which kind of brings me to a point. The marketer must listen completely. We listen in order to hear. Hearing with our ears and our eyes enables us to discern the ontology, the, the nature, kind of the being of the customer. And that enables us to understand who the customer is, allowing us to enable to predict what they will do. And listen, guys, I mean, that's what we're, that's, that's what this, that's what all of this stuff about for figuring out who the customer is about, right? It's about trying to predict what they're going to do so that we can serve them best with the experience that matches that story. You know, and I've got a great example uh, to tell that. Matthew, why don't you come up here real quick? Matthew, um, this is, this is a great example, and, and actually, this, Matthew, how in the world did this come up? I mean, I, I just had the, they actually had a different case study here, but I put this in here because it just reminded me. Matthew, tell me a little bit about this story. So we had a, we had a small business owner that, that contacted us, was interested in, in engaging in some research with us, right. had a very interesting business model and really did a lot of multi-channel, uh, a lot of multi-channel campaigns, a lot of work in direct mail, right. and uh, realize he, was, he wasn't getting the type of throughput when connecting an offline channel to an online channel. Requires a lot of effort on the customer. Right. Requires a lot of, well, we consider what we talked about, a lot of motivation uh, in order to be able to make that transition. So this is a guy that's struggling. He's obviously, he, he's, he's not dumb. He knows the power of offline as well as online. He's trying to make them work together. And he's like, listen, guy, I need to do some research. I'm stuck. And so he called us. Um, I remember Matthew, we got on the call, his name was Arcadi, he was a student of ours. He actually was watching some of these clinics and reading some of the blogs on an article and, and you know, he really wanted to try and figure this out. And this is what he showed us, right? right? And um, I remember um, one of the first things that we did, Matthew, one of the things that we always do when it comes to trying to evaluate if, if doing research together is, uh, is, is the best is we try to, to, to determine, you know, is it a win-win in both sides? And so we started asking him, okay, what is the funnel dropout rate? You know, how many people are showing up the site? We started asking questions about his data. Why? I don't want to, I don't want to invite somebody to do research if it's not going to be working out for them, if it's not going to pay dividends for them, right? So we kind of go and ask all these questions. And what was really interesting was um, he, uh, I, we got to the, homepage, which that's what this is, and we saw something. We noticed that the number of visitors that are coming directly to the homepage was significantly higher than all the other channels, abnormally. And, um, and, and at that point, we were like, well, what's going on, right? And so, Matthew, what did, what did he end up saying? I mean, what did he end up showing us just shortly thereafter. So what he showed us was all of the work that he's doing in his offline campaigns, in, and most notably in direct mail and, and, and frankly, flyer pieces uh, throughout the community. Right. So let's take a look. There's the flyer piece right there. He sent it to us. And I remember we were out of time in the call, and we are like, okay, listen, Arcadi, 
let's, we're going to look at this stuff, let's schedule a call next week and let's get started. Um, but as you can see, I think um, Arcadi got smart. Um, you know, I remember Matthew and I met afterwards and we started asking these questions, right? Who is the customer? Well, we've got Canadian consumers likely to own or lease out homes. They need to replace a window or they're getting ready to. Where'd they come from? Direct mail ad. I mean, it's right there. What have they done? Well, they followed up on the ad likely and are trying to investigate. And what is it? How do we expect them to proceed? Well, let's look at the ad again, guys. Audience, what do you think the what do you think what do you think people are looking for after seeing this ad? What do you guys think they're looking for? What is the customer looking for? I'm watching. Read the ad. Okay, the price, the offer. Okay, a relevant landing page. Good. Free upgrades. Yes. Okay. Free upgrades. There's a deal. Okay, they're looking for the deal. Arcadi got smart. We showed up next week to the call and he said, John, guess what? I was like, what? He showed me this page. He used a simple A-B testing tool and all he did was change his headline and his subheadline. And uh, you want to know what the results were? 104% increase. He gave me the data. I looked at it myself. And it wasn't just in calls, but it was also in form submissions down the line. Listen, this was a reader who was just trying to figure out his customers and all he needed was a couple of questions. And, well, needless to say, he didn't, he didn't need to do any research with us. He, he got the tools that he needed and just in that point to, to carry on on his own. And Matthew, anything else you want to add to that? I remember you, it was kind of a shock, right? I mean, it was, it was about matching motivation, uh, identifying why somebody would take the step of inquiring, taking that extra effort to inquire from an offline piece to an online piece and matching the motivation and putting that right there in front of the customer so that they can see that and they know exactly what it is that they want. It's reinforced right off the bat, really matches what they're looking for, much higher likelihood of, of conversion. Right. I mean, it's well said, Matthew. I mean, so there you have it. Um, we're about running out of time. We want to take a look at your pages. But listen, guys, um, if there's anything that you learn out of the conversion heuristic, I want you to learn about motivation. There's a story behind everything that's bought. Take the time to try and learn that story. Um, you can even organize your data according to those questions. We cover that in another one of our courses. And, um, and you know, just take the time, get to know the customer, and then try to apply it. Now I'd like to go to some uh, live op. Right. Let's take a look at your pages. I'm going to bring up Ben. And so we've got Ben and Matthew here. I don't know how much time we have, guys. Just a minute or two? Okay. So let's take a look at a couple of your pages real quick. Um, if you guys are interested in that course with the heuristic, here's a discount. Um, I'm going to move quickly. Just let us know if, if you need us to send it to you in the Q&A. We'll copy and paste it for you. But let's go into some live optimization. Here we've got... Let's see, um, Jacuzzi. This is um, 25 pages of facts and photos free. So this is a, um, this is a kind of good Jacuzzi brand hot tub site. Um, and they're trying to gather leads in exchange for a promotional brochure. So this is kind of a lead generation, it looks like. Um, so uh, guys, um, let's, audience, let me, let me hear it from you. What are some of the things that you might do real quick? And Ben and Matthew, I want you to take a look what your top three things or even questions that you might ask 
while the audience is, is doing this. Um, tell us, Ben, real quick, what are the top three things, or the top three questions that you would have or the top three things that you would do when you look at a page like this? What are some of the thoughts that you have? Right, so I actually had the benefit of looking at this page earlier today and I actually went to the jacuzzi site and I said, well, how are they getting there? What is their motivation? Right. Right. Um, if I was taking from a data perspective, I would go and, and do the next page reports and previous page reports and all these kinds of things to figure out where they're coming from. Right. Turned out there was actually a tab on the homepage that said, you know, get facts and stuff about jacuzzi and people were clicking that and you get here. Right. So knowing that they've already shown motivation to right. get it, but you haven't highlighted the process or you haven't explained why that you're asking me for this personal information for something I'm getting for free would be the first place I would start with this. Right, so 25 pages of facts and photos and, and that's probably the only legible thing other than the headers and some of the bullets that I could read. So it's almost like um, they're showing some interest it sounds like, but they're jumping the gun like in terms of asking for the information. Yeah, and in the cognitive process of the user, they've already uh, been sold on the Jacuzzi brand or they wouldn't be requesting to, to get the pricing for those the specific models, right. right? So you don't need to sell them anymore on this page. You just need to clearly tell them the process and why you need the information you need in order to get them this brochure. Awesome. Guys, I know we're, we're running low on time, um, but listen, we'll do a couple, just one or two more if you're willing to stay on with us. And um, so if you, if you need to run, thank you so much. But uh, Matthew, let me hear from you, just your top thing. I mean, whether it's a question that you might ask or, or a recommendation based on what Ben's saying, how, what perspective can you add to, to helping this page perform better? Yeah, I would say a little bit more value uh, earlier on in the process. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, it's a heavy request um, for not a whole lot of information. You're getting, get, you're getting get 25 pages of facts and photos, but what does that really mean? Right. What, what, what detail is there? You, and you, you do find it on this page. Uh, it's a little bit buried with a lot of visuals about the actual brochure. I think people are less interested in a brochure as they are what the brochure contains. Yes, yes. So maybe they want the pricing comparison. Maybe they want a feature comparison that they can only get effectively through a brochure. Like that would be a good reason, but we're not seeing that. Excellent, very good. Audience, um, I'm seeing that, you know, call to action is underweighted. You guys are just to change headline to see how easy it is and to own and enjoy. Um, Again, these are all kind of, you know, that one in particular relates to, to kind of what you, it is that you're saying. It's not the fact that you're going to get a brochure. It's you're going to get something in there that you want in order to make a decision or to inform your decision. Very good. Guys, if, if you want to hang on with us, we'll do one more with you. Um, if you have to go, feel free. I just want to give you the opportunity to, to see kind of the research in action. Let's go to another. Play of realty and management. Okay. Uh, this is a primary audience is for property owners and to the, the idea, the purpose here is to acquire potential property management leads. Okay, so um, audience, um, if you're still with us, what are your thoughts? Let's, let's wait for them. I'm going to call on you guys in just a moment. Two calls to action. That's a, that's a question from, Han, uh, from is it Hans or Hannah. Yeah. Um, where's the headline, Stephen says. What a mess, says Dave. <laughs> Lots of calls to action above the fold, says Brian. What are they selling, asks Steve. Okay, no value props, says John. Wow. Well, Ben, what do you think? Some of the, how can we help these guys? What, what are some of the questions that they, might, they should answer, or what are some of the things that they should look into? 
Yeah, I mean, somebody brought up calls to action. I'd also like to point out the three equally weighted banners there in orange. Right. Um, this site almost has multiple personality disorders. You're asking <laughs> for sales, you're right. asking me to rent something, and you're also asking for me to be able to rent your property that you already own. Um, so it can be confusing. I would definitely look at um, what type of people are coming to the website, what, what um, medium and source they're coming from right. um, in, in order to get that. If, if your goal is to do the, the management leads, then let's focus on that. Um, I would imagine here that a lot of people are coming to re actually rent places because you can right. rent from this site too. So um, figure out what they're coming for and then match that. Excellent. Matthew, what, just your top thought. Absolutely. I, I, I really want to resonate Ben's point. Um, understanding, I would say traffic sources, understanding how they're getting here, really answering some of those questions, starting to filter through uh, what their motivation is. I mean, frankly, if you have a high enough motivated uh, customer, they're going to put up with a lot of the friction and a lot of the really unsupervised thinking they're going to have to go through to get to what they want. I think generally there's a lot of things you can change from adding uh, clarity in your value proposition to reducing some of the friction, streamlining the iPath, but it's really going to be dependent on, on motivation levels, where they're coming from, who they are, uh, and, and what they're trying to do. It's almost like you have to make a choice, and then sometimes you've know, you got to look at the data to, to help you make that choice as to what you focus on. And I'd like to highlight Matt's point here. You know, so far, you're asking me for all the information about myself when really, uh, you know, I'm the one that's going to benefit you because right. you're going to make money off of renting my property. So that perceived cost is extremely high right off the bat without that perceived value. So that's a, that's a great point, man. So, there's a, so what Ben just did is he took a knowledge about the customer, who the customer is, and then found kind of a specific anxiety or kind of a situational thing that you're only going to find with this customer and then applied it to your page. That is what we're talking about when we talk about matching motivation. It's not just necessarily looking to see where they're coming from. Sometimes it's identifying an anxiety or some kind of something that's there with a particular customer type inherent and then matching the page to address that. We have a case study that talks about um, voice over IP, telephones. There's inherent anxieties to switching from a regular telephone to that that need to be addressed. But I would only get that if I knew the kind of person that I'm dealing with. Some, for others, there might not be there. So, very good. Well, listen, guys, um, I don't want to keep you on too much longer. I really appreciate your patience um, and uh, taking the time to, to look at all the live ups with us. Um, just as a, a quick preview for the final clinic, we've got a, a page design of a version that uses a two-column grid with images and text on both sides. Um, in typefaces, you can see the focus here and the difference that we're going to be talking about the one column page, body copy, form is placed directly in the iPath. What is the difference? What's really at stake here? What can we learn? That's what we're going to talk about next time on our clinic. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for your time. We hope you found this valuable and we look forward to seeing you in the next clinic and ask us any questions if you have any. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com.